0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to have more powerful conversations with ourselves and each other. I'm your host, Sarah Nell Wilson, and joining me for a repeat appearance is Dr. Nika White as we talk about her new book, Inclusion Uncomplicated, an essential guide to simplifying DEI. Dr. Nika White is a national authority and fearless advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion. As an award-winning management and leadership consultant, keynote speaker, published author, and executive practitioner for DEI efforts, she works with organizations across business, government, nonprofit, and education. Dr. White helps organizations break barriers and integrate DEI into their business frameworks. She is the founder of Nika White Consulting, NWC, where her firm works with organizations to identify and implement opportunities to embed DEI throughout its organization and culture. She has worked with over 200 clients, managed over 200 million in business assets for her clients, and written two books, three books now, on diversity, equity, and inclusion. I am so excited to welcome Dr. Nika White to the show. Welcome, welcome back to the show. You are our first repeat guest uh on conversations on conversations, and I'm so honored and thrilled to be with you during this really exciting time. So, how are you doing, Dr. Nika White?
1: Sarah, I am doing amazing, and I'm so glad to be reconnected with you. And I'm honored. This is the first that I'm hearing that actually I am the first one to be a return guest. And so I'm really truly honored. Thank you kindly.
0: So for those of you, you know, who may no, we we're, we're so happy to have you and, and, and it's an exciting time. And talk to us about why it's such an exciting time.
1: <laughs> Well, it's interesting, I believe, if I recall correctly, um, the last time that you were gracious enough to have me on, I I mentioned the fact that I was um, in the early stages of kind of working on book number three, and um, now that book is available to um, the world, and I am super excited about it. Um, it's called Inclusion Uncomplicated, A Transformative Guide to Simplify DEI. And it's in partnership with Bob Forbes Books, who is my publisher. And I am, I'm just thrilled. Um, I'm literally holding it in my hands and I feel like it's been a long time coming. Um, but isn't it exciting to actually get the product in your hands to yeah. be able to feel and touch it and just like relish in the moment that, yeah, this is done. And, and I was a part of that. I did that. Yeah. So yeah. pretty proud moment for me, but yes, who uncomplicated. not complicated. <laughs>
0: I love it. And it's a beautiful matte finish. I can't wait to get get my hands on it, you know, yes. because, okay, just so you know, full disclosure, when we're recording this, it's before it releases, but you know, I, she was gracious enough to give me a a, a sneak peek of the book. So I've, I've had a chance to read it, but I don't yes. have the copy in my hand to hold up yet. <laughs> um, what? Okay, so let's just, obviously, the the conversation we need to have is really important. And yes. I just I do want to take a moment to Congratulate you on this. I'm getting a little misty, actually.
1: Thank you, friend. I do appreciate that.
0: I do appreciate that.
1: Yeah, you know firsthand the the investment of time and energy. And emotional capital that goes into writing a book, making sure that your voice is just perfectly captured and that the, the impact of the book is, is able to be felt the way that you designed it, you know, when we were in the creative writing phase. And so for you to congratulate me um, and give me a moment to pause and kind of take it in, I, I really do appreciate that. That's a gift. And so thank you so much, friend. Mm.
0: It's it's so it's so exciting. And, you know, I think for for people who haven't gone through the process, and this might not be true for everyone, but I know in talking Mm -hmm. with other people, it's a very vulnerable process. Like you said, there's a lot of emotional labor, there's, there's sort of an awareness of this is a snapshot in time. And, you know, like, and (laughs) and am I communicating what I want to communicate? And, um, and there is something really incredible. I love hearing you talk about like yeah. getting to hold it that moment when yes. you receive it and you go, I know. Oh. like, talk to me about what that moment was like for you. <laughs>
1: um, it was it was surreal, you know, it was there was a mm. slight delay. And I know that many um, authors have experienced that because, you know, supply and demand sometimes can be uh, unpredictable. But there was a slight delay, I, I got it um, a few days after I had um, been told I would receive it. But when they came, I did what everybody else does. Immediately just grabbed the scissors, tore open the box. And, and literally, it was it was more, I'm going to reenact this for you. It was more of like <laughs> just holding it. I didn't even open it for a while. I just held it and just kind of ran my hand around the cover. Mm. And I think I probably hugged it a couple of times that I just kind of looked at it. And then I went to the back. And yeah, I actually started flipping through it. And and, and, and I'll tell you, there were moments where I would catch a certain paragraph and I, you know, when you write the book, you know, all the mm-hmm. content in the book, but you still kind of forget certain moments mm-hmm. exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as I started mm-hmm. reading it again, I was like, Hmm, I am super excited to get this into the hands of others. And so I am, I am so ready to, um, hear what people think, how people are mm-hmm. being impacted, how people are being challenged, how people are being stretched, how people are being informed and equipped. I mean, this really is to serve as a guide, you know. You know, yeah. the subtitle is a transformative guide. And so I see people, you know, dog earing the pages, writing in the in the margins, and you know, keeping it on their desk as a tool and a resource um that they can refer back to time and time. And so this has definitely been a labor of love, but it's also been um a labor of of need. I have mm. been holding um some information that I just felt was really important to compile into one source. And so I'm so grateful that this platform opportunity Presented itself, um, and, and grateful to Forbes Books for um, seeing seeing something in my voice that they also wanted to support and get behind. And so I, yeah, I am I'm grateful to be in conversation with you today to delve a little bit deeper into the book. But yeah, it was a great experience to do the unboxing exercise. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I can tell it's a sexy matte finish. I'm I'm a big it, fan it, of the matte. There is just is. something about the matte finish so that I feels so good.
1: You, I am. You know, my background is marketing communications. I think you and I talked about that before. And so branding is really important for me. You know, one of the things that often people will comment on is, it's my my branding work, and I have a terrific yeah. um, marketing communications partner. But the design of the book was something that I cared deeply about. You know, I wanted it to be in my brand colors. Although the book is not necessarily a product of NWC, which is my consulting firm, but NWC does this work, and so the way in which I show up to this work, it shows up within the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was. We went through several rounds before I landed on a design that I felt like, yes, <laughs> and this is it. And I love the fact that um, I'm telling a little bit about the book, but there's a, a portion in the back, a little signature portion that's um, printed in color, and it has the chapter summaries, and I just I just love it, I do. Now, I have to share, though, and I, I'm hoping I'm not alone <laughs> I in love this. this, even though I love it and even though I have taken a moment to uh, reacquaint myself with certain content that made its way into the book, I also have found some portions that I'm like, well, if I were writing it today, <laughs> I would have yep. said this, and I would have <laughs> added this, and so that's all a part of it, I'm sure, but... Um, yeah. And that's the reason why people yeah. will come out with like a second edition. Right? And yep. so Anyway, I'm gonna relish in the moment right now, though. I, <laughs> I Please tell me I'm not alone. Am I not? No, alone? Please, no, please,
0: my, please, please, no, okay. no, you're not. Um, <laughs> I love this so much. I just love the opportunity to connect with you in this way. I mean, I like my cheeks hurt so much from like, just I don't know. I just I love it so much. No, I You know, my uh, my mentor and good friend, uh, Dr. Chris Wildermuth, one of the things she said um, years ago that stuck with me was she said, you know, authors aren't necessarily smarter. They just finish it and they realize and accept that it's actually never done. And, yes. I, and it is and it's hard. And then when you go to do the, you know, uh, if you're doing, you know, the audiobook recording of it, and you start reading it and you're like, Oh, okay, you know, I mean, and, yes. and, it, and and it's interesting, because, um, yeah, either because of your experience, because I mean, I definitely experienced that of, um, man, yeah, there's a there's there's you know i i recognize like in my work like there's some actually really big gaps because of my lived experience being a you know midwest white woman working with largely right white audiences that there's there's a limitation to the content and and being okay and not being okay but accepting that this is where it is this is what i've learned since then how do you bring that into it and how do you invite people and i love that you've already done that of I want to hear what resonates for people and what challenged them and what stretched them and, and where might there be, you know, opportunities and, and, and then keep that list of, you know, because you will obviously continue, but it, it's a, I don't think, I don't know that. Yeah.
1: You're never done. I love you're never done. Sharing the words of wisdom from your mentor with me because that resonates deeply. Yes. Um, and And I appreciate that in many ways, especially because when we think about this work of diversity, equity, and inclusion of belonging, we often say there's no destination. We are we should constantly be filling ourselves with knowledge and, you know, becoming more culturally intelligent so that you know, we can apply that that information to how in which we are interacting and helping to advocate, you know for others. And so, you know, and that just, you're not exonerated from that just because you are a Mm-mm. DEI practitioner, right? Sure, the fact sure, that you need to yeah. lean in even more so and continue that learning journey. And so, yes, even days now, after I've written this book, you know, uh, there I'm sure there's a ton of things that um, I will encounter as I am, like on the book tour and sharing some of the um, the content from the book with others. That will find its way into those conversations that may not be reflected in the book, but um, yeah. that's not a bad thing.
0: <laughs> no, no, we're I mean, right, and it's I mean, that's one of the points you make over and over and over is expect, expect non-closure, expect that things like are going to shift and evolve and how to you, you know, that idea that there, there's not a destination. I have to, I have to say, so for people who are listening and going to buy the book, it, it's really beautifully laid out and designed and the content is great. And I, I, I appreciated how you, you, you cover a lot. And it's a, it is a really, it's a really nice read, especially for folks who may not be as experienced or knowledgeable, which I'm curious to hear what, like, who is your audience as you were writing this, but as, and I think you and I maybe talked about this when I was on your show, but something that I was, um, try to be intentional with my book was, um, designing it for a more neurotypical or not neurodiverse brain. And one of the things that I appreciated about your design was the fact that um, you had a lot of visuals, you had a lot of, yeah. uh, um, I love the, the visual summaries at the end, mm-hmm. you know, capturing the key ideas, um, you know, just how you use different uh, spacing and yeah. um, visual cues made it a really easy read for somebody who sometimes struggles to get through a book. So I wanted to just name and, you know, yeah. and I don't know if that was intentional on your part. It was, um, but I'm curious it was. to know. Yeah, yeah I, I thought so.
1: Yeah, you know, so Uh, You know this about me. My background is marketing communications. And so, again, I care deeply about the presentation and the look and feel of the product. And I think that as a DEI practitioner, we want to make sure that we are um, approaching an exercise like, you know, publishing a book with all of those different types of audiences Mm -hmm. in mind, you know. And so I write often about uh, neurodiversity and how Mm -hmm. people learn in different ways. And so the print is actually a little larger than, um, most traditional books. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's a lot of call outs, you know, I do have Mm -hmm. those chapter summaries and so people Mm -hmm. can go back and, and, um, reference some of the more salient points that were presented in each chapter. Um, and so it really is designed, as I mentioned, to be a tool, something that people will revisit and come back to. Um, and I, my hope is that this will attract a pretty broad audience. I mean, I I know that we can't be all things to all people when we are really designing something, but just generally speaking, as I was thinking about the audience, um, I knew that I wanted this to have value to individuals that could be a little bit further along in their journey, but they just really need some additional guidance and support to know how do I go to the next level, as well as those individuals who have not yet fully engaged. And so Part of what the book offers is a chapter, actually in the beginning, and it deals with who this book is for, mm-hmm. to your point. And it also talks about different personas, right? Different types yeah, of people I love that. that are, um, you know, somehow associated, affiliated, maybe trying to figure out where they want to be within, you know, this, this, this broad work of DEIB. And, you know, I mean, some examples would be like active opposition, passive unaware. Okay, passive wait, I'm going to show Let's, yeah. I
0: want to slow, I want to slow down, okay. actually, because this is All one right. of the things I wanted to spend. Is that okay? I wanted Absolutely. to spend some time on this. Because I think that that, you know, uh, when I when I got the opportunity to read the the first chapter, and then having the opera couple, you know, the first couple of chapters, and then now getting the chance to read the whole thing. That was a section I really appreciated as a point of reflection and obviously that takes some honest reflection of where you're at and you do and so I so the reason I want to slow it down because I think that this is a really um I just want to hear you speak more to it and there's so much value in us being able to identify so where are we on the journey which is is different than where we think we are you know that's Mm -hmm. something that 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 there are times when you know and and, and we're we're going to just have a real conversation there there are times when i think i'm further along on my journey because i'm further along than where i was before but i'm, I'm still not necessarily maybe where i could be where i hope to be right and it's so sometimes like well no i i'm actually here and then when you actually reflect on you know, the where you could be. And what does that actually look like in practice to to be a really active, courageous ally? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not actually as far along. So let's break down the five okay. um, and talk through them. Yeah,
1: I would love to. I want to, to start um, with really just reflecting a little bit further on what you just shared. What I love about your vulnerability and talking about your story as you think about where am I on this journey? It is all about um, competing against yourself or benchmarking against yourself. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I felt was really critical for this book is that we need to make sure that not only are we doing those critical reflections for ourselves, which you do beautifully, but most people. They will assess that question based upon where they are against someone else. Mm. And what Mm. I want people to really lean into is that there's, we're not competing against anyone but ourselves Mm. in terms Mm. of just, am I becoming better than I was the day before? Right. And I think that's so important to amplify because, you know, in chapter one, when I do introduce the personas, it's right on the heels of talking about identifying mental models. And it's where I really help the audience to understand that everyone's lens and their point in which they are entering, you know, the conversation, the proverbial conversation of DEI is vastly different. Mm. And so we have to take that in mind because I think that has a lot to do with, it should have a lot to do with the way in which we try to engage people and bring them along.
0: Mm. If you
1: try to bring someone to point Z when they haven't even you know, scratch the surface of, of A to K, then it's going to be hard for them to really find their place and to get comfortable to where they're going to sustain that level of engagement and curiosity. Yeah. And so I think that the mental models piece is very critical. So to your question, I'll, I'll just talk briefly about um, the five personas. The first is active opposition. And these are individuals who are deeply rooted right, in their choice to be a strong opponent of DEI. And it's important to recognize that. Um, These are individuals who, quite honestly, maybe their minds cannot be changed and Mm -hmm. who are committed to disrupting the work of DEI. I want to pause there for a second and say this book is not for those individuals. Mm -hmm. In fact, part of my philosophy with the work that I do. And I'm not to say, I'm not saying that this is necessarily the approach that every practitioner in this space should take. But for me, I realize that that's not my audience. That's not who I feel like I have been equipped with the skill sets and the ability to reach, nor do I desire that. It It is great emotional capital that has to be spent to even attempt to see if you can move somebody that's in a place of just deeply rooted opposition. That's not my audience.
0: Yeah. Well, and I remember, yeah, sorry, real quickly, but I remember when we had our conversation last year, that was something that stood out when you're like, I don't, that's not who I'm going after. And I remember you saying the quiet person in the back who's listening, but unsure That's that's who I'm, who I'm going for. And, and I, and I, and again, that was one of the things I appreciated in your writing was you also spoke to obviously this is complex it's layered yes. there's not one solution to it and i appreciated where you named this is where even dei uh, practitioners disagree like do wow. are, do we force people along do we meet them where they are if we're meeting them where they are how are we prioritizing white comfort right dominant right. culture comfort and, and 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 wrestling with that that there's not one answer to that it's you know figuring out what's right so I, that was, sorry, as you were talking, that was coming up. So please, please continue. No,
1: I'm glad you reminded me of that. And you're right. I was very clear from the beginning and even throughout the writing process. And, and I'm even clear about this and how I show up to this work from a consulting perspective. I mean, I truly believe that the population of people that at their core, they really do care about getting this right and wanting to um, engage in a way that really leads towards sustainable change. Um, I think that population is great enough to where I have personally made the decision that I'm not going after the naysayers. And I don't mean naysayers to where, you know, there's some things that they question. I'm talking about those that are, again, in deep opposition. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, Mm -hmm. you're not going to change their minds, right? And I would far rather spend my time and energy on those that I believe I have the ability to help shift and and there's a likelihood of behavioral change that aligns more with, again, the value set and the opportunities that diversity, equity, and inclusion bring. And so I, I stick by that. The second persona is passive unaware. And as you can imagine, just by that, that labeling, these are people who are unaware and they cannot engage in the work of DEI simply because they're unaware, they're uninformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... They can be identified by their lack of engagement in the conversations, by their inability to recognize the severity of the problems that loom concerning equity and and equality. And I do believe that um, with the proper guidance, the proper resources, the proper influencers in those individuals' lives, whether it's through resources or through people, that there's an opportunity to get them engaged. Mm -hmm. And So that's passive unaware. The next is passive awareness. And it's, as you can imagine, the opposite. But passive aware Mm -hmm. individuals are the ones who can appreciate that attention is being given to the work of DEI, right? They're like, yes, I am so glad I'm with an organization that cares deeply about DEI. I'm glad we have a chief diversity officer. And I'm glad that we have a statement and Mm. we're doing things that's impactful. We're changing systems and minds. But the problem is, is that they see it as the responsibility of someone else. So they aren't Mm. owning the accountability for it. And I truly believe this work belongs to all of us. So there's a message for those individuals as well. And then thirdly, active awareness. When we think about being actively aware from a mental model perspective, these are the ones who know that this work is necessary and they are actively working to advance it. Maybe these are practitioners. Maybe these are ones who are leading this work within their respective organizations. Maybe they're just human rights activists or social justice workers. And so they're regularly doing the work, but they also need support to help bring others along, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that is the audience that this book also appeals to. And then the last one is overactive awareness, right? And I think this is so important to also amplify because while maybe at the core of just hearing that labeling, it may lead some to believe, okay, well, those are people that are just really, really sold out by any means necessary. But the challenge is, is that sometimes if we are overactive in our awareness, it can show up as council culture, because Mm. we're frustrated that maybe others are not where we perceive they should be. Mm. And I am not one that really believes in the council culture. I think that we need all of us being a part of this, of this work and this conversation and engaging in a way that helps us to rise higher. And so um, those are the individuals that this book is for. And I wanted to outline that early on so that people could then begin to identify, and at the end of that chapter, there is some critical reflection. Where hmm. are you with the reflection questions? I love your reflection questions. Uh-huh. And what do you feel like you need to do or spend some time further reflecting on, um, if you are deciding that you want to continue this learning journey to make sure that you are at the right posture to be open to do so?
0: Yeah, that's you know one. That's uh, one of the things I really appreciated about about the book was those really pointed. Reflection questions at the end, you know, and and when I when I was reading through those, again, this is where I I I didn't highlight how many times you said it, but it was courage over comfort, right? I mean, quite a number of times you write that, and part of that, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, I I, yeah, I mean, there's multiple points where it's like, (laughs) oh, right, um, and and even in the act of. Of reflecting on this is how to be courageous in that moment to go where am I really and and in what situations you know when I I don't know if this is helpful I also want I'm just gonna like name this I also want to make sure I'm not like centering on my experience because I'm aware that that's something as white women do so it you know I just want to name that um but I also just want to honor the impact that your book had and the way that it helped me Mm. process through it as well was Realizing that there are times where I'm moving down a few different ones and, you know, and not necessarily like, oh, I am this. Oh, I am, you know, passive awareness. But it's like, oh, there are definitely times when I'm passively unaware or there are times when I am very much passive awareness. And then there's little moments that are that, uh, you know, active awareness and and dancing between those that that was definitely um I think that's, that was such a powerful framing to invite people mm. to get really courageously curious. As you know, that's yeah. definitely like my thing about, yeah. but where are you really? And I, and yeah. I appreciate that, that point you made about, um, you know, being in competition of just like, how, how are we continuing to be better than we were before? Yes. How are we continuing to move forward? And, And and recognizing that, you know, recognizing when you're like, oh, I've been passively unaware.
1: Yeah, now far
0: longer than I realized.
1: I love the revelation, Sarah, of um, the mental models and those personas, um, how they can show up differently based upon the circumstances, right, and how we will evolve and grow and learn. And um, so that that's a really, a really good point that I hope people will um, keep in mind as they are, are engaged in this book. And, you know, I also want to comment on the competition thing again. Mm. I hear this so much. And so I think I am a bit oversensitized to it because we do a lot of assessments at NWC. And when we do these deep dive assessments, it is pretty recurring that our client partners will ask, well, how did we do? Sure. And really what they're looking for sure. is a score or a grade, and it's not a grade of how you did independently, but how do we do maybe comparatively speaking to others that you've done assessments for, to others who are in this industry? And so we have this, this going in position with our clients where we go ahead and just, you know, level set around, this is how we approach benchmarking. You are benchmarking against your own selves. That Mm. is the best way to do it because you want to make sure that you are improving. If you're not at a hundred percent, then there's still opportunity for growth and refinement. So don't be so concerned about what others are doing, unless you're using that information to really just modify, tweak and, and inform what you should be doing. Right. But, um, So I appreciate that, and I think the same applies to individuals when they're also on their own personal journey. Well, I'm not as bad as so and so, okay, but what does that really mean, though? Why does that matter? (laughs) What can you do better? You know, yeah,
0: yeah. What I mean, what are you trying? (laughs) It, it, I'm smiling a little bit because when (laughs) you know we do assessments, maybe around different different topics, it's always like, so how do we compare? And you know, and it's it. And and as you're saying that, um. I really yeah I really appreciate that you know you're benchmarking against yourself and and if the goal again here's another beautiful opportunity to get curious is the goal for us to feel like we did enough right and that's something you explore too yeah. of the right activity versus impact or making it so so transactional that it's event based instead of an ongoing you know because I could definitely see because one of the questions that I I was uh, reflecting on in preparation for this was what are those organizations who you feel like are making strides? What are they doing differently? You know, like that point of comparison, I think, could be valuable just because sometimes we don't even – know what we don't know of what it can look like because again it's you know
1: absolutely but to me that's not benchmarking that is more of um you know just you know pulling together data of example sets basically and that's what we say that's kind of the way in which we approach what you're probably referring to as benchmarking this is what i would, would say to our client partners um and so I I think that is critical. I find it very appropriate for people to be exposed to case studies and how other organizations have navigated maybe similar type challenges so that they can, um, you know, pull out what's relevant to them because, you know, it's very nuanced. This work is not going to look yeah. the same across every organization. That's just not, it's not, it's not possible. The other thing too that I think is important to spend some time on in our conversation is really going back to this courage piece because the courage piece was really the impetus in many ways of why book number three came into existence. What I found um, in my time as a practitioner in this work is that one of the main barriers that kept a lot of organizations and leaders in organizations who were charged with this work from really feeling um, compelled and equipped to, to create sustainable change was how mystical all of the Mm -hmm. unknowns, how daunting Mm -hmm. this work felt. It just felt so complex. And we know Mm -hmm. that when something feels really, really hard to us, there's automatically a disadvantage that can overcome us if we aren't careful. And so for me, I wanted to try to address that piece of it. So that's where the whole notion of let's unravel the knots, right? I just, you know, imagine this big, and I remember having a conversation with someone and I'm like, what are you, after we've had some, you know, some conversations, and I was really presenting some points and I could tell they were grappling with it. And I said, what's coming up for you? Just socialize with me. What, What are you thinking? What are you perceiving? And the person just very exasperated said, I just feel so overwhelmed. This is just so hard. I feel like we just can't win. It just feels so, is it even possible? This is just so Mm. complex and almost like throwing up the hands, right? I was like, okay, Nika, what do you do with this? Mm. And I realized that even before I could continue to attempt to successfully guide them and consult them and help them navigate a path of changing systems, policies, procedures, while at the same time, because you have to do them in parallel, changing mm-hmm. mindsets and equipping people with knowledge and information and application of what to do with now, this knowledge that they're, they're being exposed to, that I had to help them get into their minds that while this work may seem complex, there is a way for us to break this down and to simplify it. And so I feel like it's important to socialize that because that's really the impetus of why um, inclusion uncomplicated came to be. And what I'm also finding it important to share is that and if people get the book and they read the book, they will they will clearly know that my position is not that DEI is not hard because there's a lot of really hard aspects of it. But it doesn't have to be to the point to where we remain on the sidelines or we Mm. remain complicit. If we're able to engage in this work in a way where we feel like we are being, um, met where we are Mm -hmm. not going to leave you there. That would be a disservice Mm -hmm. to you and to the world, but to help people along to unravel the knots, right. Yeah. So that it becomes uncomplicated. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I'm hoping this book will do for a lot of people.
0: You, um, you just spoke to one of my favorite lines. Which is I believe in meeting people where they are, but not content to leave them there it was so powerful. We'll be back with Dr. Nika White in a moment. I have to tell you the whole the whole untangling of the nut it, <laughs> the what so um it, a lot of the work that that we do perhaps in like different spaces is, is somewhat similar in the sense of how do we see the complex, like, how do we honor the complexity? How do we see it for the different parts? How do we, how do we understand that how we need to approach this complexity is different? And so, so the analogy was such, I mean, it was a song, it was a song after my own heart, from the standpoint of one of the ways that we talk about when we're dealing with adaptive challenges, which is exactly what you're Again, th- I think this is. I think diversity, equity, and inclusion is the biggest adaptive challenge that we face yeah. because there is com- there is layers and complexity, and like you said, there are technical components we need to change, and there's Absolutely. mindsets and challenging values and challenging beliefs. And the analogy I'll use is like tangled up ball of Christmas lights. And we yes. just have to start tugging. <laughs> so when I saw it, I was like,
1: oh, God, yeah, yeah.
0: yes, you, you know, and, start
1: someplace. and so, so right. I love that, you know, analogy, because that feels really complex. And if and some people are like, I'm just gonna throw this away. I'm not even gonna touch right. It, the right. Right. It's not right. Worth it. Right, right. 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 But. That's one response, but is it the best response? No, let's face our fears, let's face the discomfort and let's just take one part of it at a time and start to kind of untangle it. And then after a while, we'll we'll see that we're making progress. And that's what this is about, Mm -hmm. progress and Mm -hmm. not perfection overnight. Mm -hmm. Incremental change is okay. In fact, it's smart, it's healthy because it allows us to not get frustrated too early in a process, right? And so that big ball of yarn, that was the visual That I spoke of, and that Mm. I I saw in my head as I go back to the story I just shared of talking with this client partner who was just defeated. Yeah, you know, and I thought, Nika, what can you do? What can you do? At that moment, it wasn't about trying to get you to believe that DEI is important. You know that you're just stuck Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't want to do the wrong thing. You
0: -hmm. don't know exactly
1: what to do um so much complexity around it right but i don't i don't yeah. want that to be part of the hindrance to keep us from moving forward so we have to first and foremost believe that we and our organizations and our society and our world is deserving of equity mm-hmm. inclusion and belonging and accessibility for everyone and if once we believe that no matter how daunting it is we need to give ourselves a pep talk if we need to, but we need to make sure that we're committing to the process. And I believe that part of committing to a process is to have it to be attainable, to feel attainable, to feel not so complex, to feel like um, we can't simplify it. That's not to say this work is simple, but I think that there are some really tangible things and ways in which we can take it one by at a time. If we find ourselves in that predicament of feeling like, I don't even want to take the first step because this just feels like it's impossible.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that's coming up for me hearing you talk about this and and the connection that I'm making is that the work, (laughs) let's see if I can articulate this. I'll just say it and we'll clean it up. But you know, everything that you're talking about, that it's progress, not perfection, right? That there's this, you know, p- politeness that can get in our way. And and, yeah. you know, and you're speaking to very white dominant culture norms. And and the connection that I'm making is that, you know, the act of even how we navigate, how we engage, how we move forward in progress is also a way for us to build up a muscle of showing up differently, of pushing yes. against norms that are. You know, I, I like are in our DNA, you know, I mean, I, it's like the the polite, nice Midwest white woman. there are times where it's like, oh my God, how do I just get this out of my system a little bit because it's so it's the air, it's the air that we breathe. And hearing yeah. you, as you were talking about it is like it's it's like progress on multiple layers, right? as it we is. engage with this work is that was just what was coming up for me at hearing you talk in the language you were using,
1: yeah. No, you're right. And I think that um, when we are on our learning journeys, we, we often um, have to peel back the layers and really identify, okay, what, in, what am I not seeing here? What am I not, you know, um, curious enough about to help us um, think just, just better engage with the information in terms of how it needs to apply to our way of thinking, our way of being, and the influence that we have in the spaces that we show up. So um so I appreciate that you said that. There's so much, so many layers to this. Um and I'm I'm just grateful that there are individuals like you and so many others who are willing to, to do some of the hard work just to help it become a little bit more um manageable and digestible for others, right? yeah um, and that that was my point i don't I don't pretend to have all the answers around this Mm-mm. um but I do believe that I have enough knowledge and wherewithal to put together a tool that can help people um unravel the knots unravel yeah. the knots
0: you one of the things that I think is so um powerful about how you lay out this book is one not only do you give you, you know you explore some really common uh, language or mm-hmm. frameworks right and talking about it but again you you invite people to ask some tough questions you also share some really um tangible practices of like here's things you yeah. can say <laughs> for those of yeah. you and <laughs> and one of the questions that I you know a, c- a couple of different points that I had had captured was you know the 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 powerful question of, am I really doing this activity to help others? Or am I doing this to position myself or my organization in a certain light that will gain me benefit? And what a beautiful, again, courageous, curious question. And, and I love the question before of, you know, what am I not curious enough about? Because I think that that is a, a trap we can fall into is thinking we know, thinking we understand, thinking we, you know, have have a sense of the realities of it and and that gets in our way instead of going god what else don't i know and not not from a place of shaming but just from a place of you know so on that hand but then but i you know you 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 talk about you know you had a section of talking about the difference between an obligation versus an opportunity and i'd love Mm -hmm. to just pause there a little bit too from the standpoint of ask asking ourselves some of these hard questions um You know, especially those of us who are part of the dominant culture, like that's part of the work is that that internal and external. So I'd love to just hear what comes up for you. Um, Uh,
1: That part of the book was um, really instrumental for me um, in terms of my my influence and uh, consulting work, because what I noticed is that many organizations were coming to us to do the work, which, you know on the surface yes that's great we want everybody to do the work right but they were doing the work i felt for not the right reasons yeah um and when i say not the right reasons when we are obligated to something it certainly helps us to remain devoted to it because We don't want to have to experience the consequences or the repercussions of not doing it. And that's when it feels like a burden to us. Mm -hmm. And I would much rather people to not approach this work as a burden, right? Because we're talking about people. Don't approach humans as them being a burden. Let's approach this as what are the opportunities and the strengths that we really can lean into That's going to get us excited. It's going to make us want to have the desire to do this work because we have to or, you know, or in spite of there's a difference between doing the work in spite of versus doing it because we really do believe that there's great value and opportunity and strength in it. And so that was really important to to highlight. Something else, Sarah, that I think maybe um, some people in your audience may not be aware of, but um, Inclusion Uncomplicated, the name itself, is not just entirely new with the release of this book. Um, For the past three years, um, I have been putting out short clip videos called Mm. Inclusion Mm -hmm. Uncomplicated Mm -hmm. Simplified DEI, and it was all to help provide those bite-sized pieces of information so that people could have a resource. And I, you know, we release this content, this video series, new content every week. And so they're no more than like two minute clips. And I thought, you know, this seems to be very valuable. We were getting a good bit of um engagement in terms of the um the, the playlist and subscriptions um, and lots of comments when we would share it out. And so what this has also helped me to realize is that. We need different ways of of reaching people, right? I think that sometimes mm-hmm. we always mm-hmm. relegate the um, the learning to be more of lecture-style training. I don't even use the word training at, at NWC. We prefer you know, learning experiences because it's not just a one-and-done. A training sounds like a very singular event or destination, and that's not the case. We really need to, going back to the mental models um, commentary that I shared earlier, we need to have a strategy that allows us to look across multiple modalities, ways, and approaches of reaching people. And so I share that because, um, inclusion uncomplicated video series is also, um, you know, a large part of what, you know, really, um, created the desire for me to also want to write this book as a step, a step forward.
0: Well, and you're speaking to and we talked about this a little bit beforehand. So let's talk about the New York times article. I don't remember the, I don't remember the name, but I think, I think the timing of it, uh, in this conversation because you know we've I've had a few people send my way and like what do you think about this right and yeah um, it was an, so just to be clear it was an opinion piece it was an opinion it article was, it was you very know much it was an opinion p- piece. about how you know um, some of the traditional ways of diversity equity and inclusion efforts aren't moving the needle and potentially could do harm I I definitely had thoughts and reactions to it of <laughs> you know my first thought was was it that the work isn't moving the needle or is it that people are unwilling <laughs> to move the needle? Um yeah. You know, but I'm, but, but to your point and, you know, and you cover this in your book is it can't just be an, an event. This is not right. a, ch- a box to check. And if that's how you, and, 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 and we know behavior change and value exploration and exploring you know, literally a history of systemic oppression isn't something that's going right. to be untangled in a two hour right. session. So I'm curious to just get your Absolutely. thoughts in response to that.
1: Yeah, that New York Times article, as you pointed out, certainly it was an opinion piece, and I'm glad that we're amplifying that because it it was an opinion, <laughs> and not necessarily an opinion that I would say is really popular among a lot of the practitioners that I'm in, you know, close communication with. I think that it was very short sighted, and that it presented the totality of diversity training as looking one way, and there mm. is mm. Um, a way to do diversity. <laughs> learning experiences that um, can help move the needle in concert with also other organizational efforts like dealing with systems, policies, procedures, and culture. I mean, you can certainly have some behaviors that are placed in, um, in conversations and learning experiences that you expose people to, but if the system is not designed where people can really operate with that mindset, mm. then it's not mm. going to work. So it is a both mm. and. And so my challenge with the article was, that I don't feel like it, um, it, it brought that really important um, aspect to the floor. Um, you know, it talks a good bit about how many um, white men in particular feel guilted, shamed, and blamed to the point to where um, it creates more harm, you know, for them. And then they're like, there's not really a place for me. And, you know, and I, in my book, I talk about I don't believe in guilting, shaming, and blaming. But um, I do believe that we have to be really careful when even in opinion pieces to send a message that that broadly can cause a population of individuals to negate um yeah. the work itself right or to see it as having an adverse effect i think that we all know that there certainly there could be harm if it's not done well and it's done right yeah. Yeah. i just want us to be sure that we aren't amplifying the um the negativity that you know, can occur and does occur across all different industries and disciplines, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. I believe that 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 gives people too much license sometimes, especially those who are already not fully convinced Mm -hmm. to then say, okay, well, I told you so, you know, and Mm -hmm. and that does not help us. And so, yeah. So sometimes I question maybe the motives and the intent of those who write such opinion pieces, you know? Especially yeah. if I don't feel like it's completely balanced. But yeah, it's just again I mean, one person's
0: opinion against another. It it is. <laughs> and and that's that's part of that's part of getting curious, right? And that's part yes. of like, you know, yes. a, you know, how how is this reinforcing the beliefs I have and how is it challenging it? Yes. And and exactly to your point, and I think that was a point that at the end of the article was like actually what can help move the needle is yeah. the yeah. systems work. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a yes. small section of it, but they got okay. to that. And
1: yes.
0: <laughs> it, and so, and so, um, I mean, it was the last paragraph, but, but that's something that, you know, when I think about, when I think about the opportunities I've had to be, uh, really directly involved with the work that my, like my colleague Jamada does with organizations where the needle has moved, is when it is the combination, exactly like you're talking about. It's the both yes. and. It's the system because, and I loved how you said it and I didn't quite capture it exactly, mm-hmm. but when <laughs> you're saying that if the contain, you know, I, I think of it as a container. Yes, If the container hasn't changed and and we're trying to, to to change behaviors or beliefs that that's always going to be in conflict, and will almost like suffocate any little sparks that come up. And so you have Absolutely. to look at it. And so so you have worked with hundreds of organizations. You have been able to support them on their journey. What are some of the components. And, and again, some of this you talk about in your book of like how important assessments are, how important it is that yeah. you get a real yeah. honest view of where are you currently. And I just want to make one like point I, as a white person doing this work, how do we right size our discomfort? Yeah. You know, that's a that's a concept yeah. that like, w- you know, w- we'll use sometimes of like, how do we right size the problem? And, yeah. and, and making sure, like, how do I right size the discomfort I'm feeling compared to the harm that's actually happening to other yeah. people? So I, I don't, that was just something that was coming up for me, but is, you know, I do want to go back to my original question, which is, um, you know, what, what are some of those strategies mindsets, right? Um, Practices that you have seen, because, because again, your approach isn't a one and done, you are walking alongside individuals and organizations as they are on this journey, right, and helping them understand it's a journey. So what are some of the things that you found to be um, just most effective? I don't want to say right, because there isn't a right, but just that have been really powerful.
1: So one would be um and I'm probably making up a word here but uh the the stick to itness effect right mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that so many organizations, they abandon the process too prematurely because they don't see results um, as quickly as they would like. And probably the reason they don't see results as quickly as they would like is maybe they were misguided to start, right? And they just mm. felt like, well, there's, let me do this, this, and this. And then, yeah, now we're, we're we have arrived. So the stick to itness is really important. Um, I think the other thing is this piece about accountability. You know, what gets mm. uh, measured and tracked gets done, but it doesn't just end there. And then where you hold people accountable, they will deliver, but you need both of those. You need, you need metrics but then you also need accountability. And accountability is something that has to be shared across the organization. It is not just something that is, is, should be the re- sole responsibility of the chief diversity officer, or even the C-suite leaders. They need to certainly be the main influencers as key stakeholders in the organization to be able to help um, inform the, the general you know, associate body of what does this look like for us? What are those behaviors that are um, expected based upon this type of guiding principle or philosophy that we are governing ourselves by, here are the norms. And then there needs to be some level of accountability across everyone to help try to maintain them. And so that can look like a variety of things, but I think that until we get to a place to where we can be comfortable knowing that it's okay to have some accountability mechanisms in place assigned to this work, that we're gonna be able to move the needle. I don't know why organizations are so afraid sometimes of the accountability piece. I guess it's because I think it goes back to my theory. It goes back to like, yeah, that sounds good in theory, but in practice, mm, we're going to lose our whole workforce. Well, okay. But what, what is that gaining you though? Mm -hmm. By having a workforce that's continuing to not allow you to be able to be on the cutting edge of, of, of what needs to happen in the future to attract the best talent, retain the best talent and, I mean, you know, so we have to help them connect the dots to the application of what that looks like at the individual level um, within an organization. Yeah. You know, I often say that you don't have to have a certain position or, or power by, you know, title or position in order to be able to influence this work. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I mean by I think that we need to have shared accountability across the organization, but that does start with the, um, you know, the leadership being willing to first model and then to uphold whatever those norms and those value sets are um, so that others can lean into it and realize that, yes, they do need to be very much considering how can I align with these principles? Yeah, it's
0: such a common trap, um, you know, related to this work, related to really any uh, culture work that it often gets relegated to. You know whether it's the diversity equity inclusion person whether it's the hr person and yes. you know and i appreciated that you're naming that i mean we're all we're all on the hook to make this change we're all in the we all <laughs> create the culture we're in we all are playing a role in what that culture looks like some people have more influence you know to the point you made yeah. executive level senior leaders and why that's why that's so important and um yeah and and it, and it goes back to that that a little bit of it's an endurance game, right? That it's, this isn't, you know, mm -hmm. there's not, (laughs) Not there's not, well, and, you know, and because like, you know, it's an interesting thing about the metrics, because, you know, you were saying earlier when people were like, how did we compare? And, and even that, that's a shift that, that is a shift from how we run business. It's a shift from how we, you know, like, even as individuals, it's just, it's going to be messy at times. It's going to be unclear at times. Mm-hmm. You're going to mess up mm-hmm. sometimes. Like that's just inevitable part of oh, absolutely. doing this work. And just being in relationship with humans is like, you're going to mess up. Like it's not, it's not it's if really, it's when. And, and yes. I think that, that, that endurance, you know, that you're speaking to, um, it, it, it it's not the norm. It's not, yeah. you yeah. know,
1: Thank you for giving me a word. The stick to in this is not nearly as, as articulate as uh, the endurance, so thank you. But, yes, that's precisely it. You know, are we willing to endure what this process entails? Because there are going to be hurdles and obstacles probably, you know, every few miles, right? Then we're going to see a guidepost that's going to put us in the right direction, and we're going to maybe be rolling with the rhythm. Um, But then, yeah, if there are going to be other issues that will arise because we are a society that is made up of people and we're all different and we all have different needs. And so there's always going to be an opportunity for us to level up. And so the upskilling around how to do that most effectively to be able to endure is what's going to help um, separate those who are really deeply committed, not just in rhetoric, but indeed um yeah. to to really seeing the full maturation of the possibilities of diversity equity and inclusion within their respective organizations,
0: yeah. I mean, everything you just described is, you know, couldn't help it go. What a gift we would give ourselves, yeah, to be able to to again, build up our capacity, yeah, to realize like, yep, no, we're building up our capacity to navigate something complex. We're building up our capacity mm-hmm. to uh, repair. And to exactly. and to get curious and to own and to, you know, again, because it's, that's just a natural part, and, you know, and most importantly, in creating a space and a world that's safe for everyone, right? Um,
1: yes. Everyone, leave no one behind. That's part of one of yeah. the lines that I repeat in the book, leave no one behind. Um, so yeah, I'm we, right there with you, friend.
0: <laughs> We we are coming up on our time. I want to I want to just give a moment. Uh is there anything like what <laughs> what did we not cover that you wanted to make sure and also this doesn't have to be our last conversation. I mean we've had you on twice. I no, mean are in the third
1: <laughs> Well I love the fact that you invited me back. I do appreciate that. Um we've covered a lot of ground as you mentioned. I, I, I feel pretty satisfied. You know, something else though that I would love to plug is that you know, it's not just a short inclusion, uncomplicated video series. It's not just a book, but you know, I I continue to want to build upon this idea because I think there's a lot of of um of, of merit to the possibilities that can deliver by doing so. And so one of the other ways in which we're helping organizations to lean into this this message of um you know unraveling the knot that binds humanity together is we have an inclusion of complicated learning experience. And it is it is really all about unraveling the knot. And it's like a, a day and a half long um, in-person learning experience. It can be virtual for those that need those special accommodations, but it really is intended to be in-person. And we're going to take a lot of the concepts in the book and a lot of those micro-learning activities and really expand them and a lot of critical reflection. And so I'm hoping that or organizations organizations will find um, that experience to be worthwhile for a a cohort of individuals within their organization, particularly maybe those that are um, in leadership. And so um, just wanted to put that into the universe and and hope that it lands um, on some people with um, who are curious and will want to learn more and contact us. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And no, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you spoke to that and we will put all um, all this information in the show notes. So people who are interested, um, will connect them with your website, uh, uh, share right. a link to where they can buy the book. So where can people purchase your book?
1: Yeah. So inclusion are complicated. A transformative <laughs> guide to simplify DEI can be purchased anywhere. You like to get your books. You also can go to Amazon and so we hope that you will check it out and we would love to hear your feedback. We love to know what's resonating, um, what curiosities you're holding, um, but to be in conversation about it. It's, it's intended to um, spark dialogue.
0: Hmm. What, um, what's the best place for people to connect with you if people are hearing this and they want to reach out and they want to learn more yeah. about the work you're doing?
1: Thank you. I so appreciate that. I think probably the best way is just to go to my website, which is NikaWhite.com. Um, I also have a speaker website, which is NikaWitespeaks.com, But both of those sites um, will direct folks to you, uh, multiple ways to follow me, connect with me. Um, and I would very much welcome those opportunities.
0: Yeah. What, what do you want to celebrate? I mean, I just like, let's, let's end where well, we started. What's, what's something you want to celebrate? about this um, the journey you've been on and this milestone that we're in in this present beautiful oh, moment together.
1: You know, what I want to celebrate in this moment, Sarah, is um the fact that the connection points of deep convictions around this work and around just a care and compassion for people has connected me with individuals that are amazing such as yourself. And I think that what that does for me is it gives me even greater hope around the good in the world and around the possibilities of when we put our minds together and we really do care about something and we can, you know, really hold steadfast with that endurance that we can make change. Mm-hmm. And that's important to me because I don't want us to ever lose hope. Mm-hmm. Um so I want to just celebrate that. So I'm going to celebrate you, my friend. I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate. celebrate You're such of... a big supporter. And mm. I, yeah, I, I love how you show up to the world and to this work. I mean, and while our work, there's some intersections there. Um, they're not directly kind of, you know, connected, but they are in the sense that it is a care for people to show up better for themselves and yeah. for others, you know? yeah,
0: I so appreciate and that's you. What,
1: that's what I want to celebrate.
0: Yeah. Thank thank you, Twitter, for bringing yeah, us together.
1: Know, exactly. <laughs> you, have to, you have to catch the previous yeah. <laughs> conversations to hear that whole story about how through and I connected on Twitter. Right. Immediately it in the looking back.
0: <laughs> we, uh, in the show notes, Nick, as you're listening to this, we will put in the show <laughs> notes, we'll like re-link to it so you can listen yes. to the part one and the part two and and, and hear the evolution. No. Dr. Yeah. Nika White, thank you. I mean, just ah, thank you for being here. Thank you for giving us your time. Thank you for giving mm-hmm. the world your wisdom, your emotional energy for, you. you know, your endurance in all of this and um, and for sharing this time and just, a, you know, a huge congratulations again to Inclusion Uncomplicated. It's um, it's a real triumph and it's a huge milestone. And I'm so I'm so excited for the impact that it will continue to make. And, and so just mm. thank you for being you.
1: Thank you. I receive all of that, my friend. Thank you so very much. I really enjoyed this conversation. And I'm just grateful and honored that you you thought of me to want to bring me back.
0: <laughs> our guest this week has been Dr. Nika White. And while I have pages of notes from reading her book in our conversation, I think the thing that I'm really holding on to is that idea of how, am I better today than yesterday? And how do I continue to move forward in progress and not perfection? I think that is a real easy thing to get caught up into. And that is something I really want to hold on to. And we want to hear from you. Help us understand what resonated for you, what pushed you, what challenged you maybe. You can reach out to us at podcast at com, or you can find me on social media where my DMs are always open. And if you'd like to find out more about the work we do and how we can help you or your team have conversations that matter, check us out at com. You can also pick up a copy of my book, Don't Feed the Elephants, wherever books are sold. And... If you'd like to support the show, please consider becoming a patron visiting patreon.com slash conversations on conversations, where your financial contributions will not only sustain this podcast and the amazing team that makes it possible. You'll also get access to some pretty great benefits like swag. And if you haven't already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform. Doing so helps us get the word out, uh, increases our visibility to bring on amazing guests like Dr. Nico White. Thank you. To our incredible team who makes this podcast possible, to our producer Nick Wilson, sound editor Drew Knoll, transcriptionist Becky Reinert, marketing consultant Caitlin Summit Nelson, and the rest of the Snowco crew. And just one big final round of applause for Dr. Nika White, and big congratulations on her latest book. Please go out and buy it, check it out, buy it for a friend. It's a really great read. This has been Conversations on Conversations. Thank you so much for listening and remember, when we can change the conversations we have with ourselves and others, we can change the world. So thank you all for joining. We will see you next week. Please be sure to rest, rehydrate, and we'll see you soon.